Namaste, Salam Alaikum. Welcome back to TrailEvents.com. You're listening to the latest in the Listen Up podcast series, whereby I repeat, recall, narrate, revisit uh, many of the posts that I've written over the years on TrailEvents.com. This week, I'm bringing you one titled The Sling of Sync. I'm going to give you a moment for that to settle in before I reveal the destination. If you haven't guessed it already, you're going to kick yourself when I tell you. In the meantime, I'm just going to add a little apology. I did expect these Listen Up podcasts to be as frequent as possible. Unfortunately, life has been kicking me from every single angle. I'm here in Wellington, New Zealand, trying to land myself a job. It's proving to be a little bit more difficult than I expected. So I have had to prioritise a little bit this time and this week. Also, I am staying with family, so I've been enjoying some time while the sunshine is out here in Wellington which it seems to be quite rare. All I seem to see is wind and rain. And wind, oh, have we seen the wind recently here in Wellington? It's been absolutely amazing. It's been really cold as well during October, the coldest October for 64 years. How many times as a traveller have you turned up and the weather has been record-breaking? I know for me it happens with alarming regularity, but then being an Englishman, maybe I should expect the rain and the wind and the cloud and the grey and the grizzle and the drizzle and the dray. Anyway, back to the point. The Sling of Sing is about a destination that many of you will have visited, probably not spent too much time there. I spent two weeks on a bit of an emotional kaleidoscopic low, I'm going to describe it as, just after my time in India and prior to my time heading into Indonesia. So many things going on in my life. It was a crossroads in many, many different ways. But I won't go into that. For health and safety reasons, basically, I don't want you snivelling into your keyboards or wiping your tears with your iPod and sizzling your ears. So I'm just going to probably get straight into the reading, skip over that, like politely, and nicely. Just straight into the post that I wrote on May the 14th, 2008, called The Sing of Sling. Worth noting that it is in the run up to the Olympic year, or the Olympic period, I should say, we're in the Olympic year for China. There is reference to that. And there had been some pretty massive natural disasters, one to hit the Burmese and one to hit China, which you'll hear reference towards the end. So don't be alarmed. This is from May the 14th, 2008. Uh, these aren't fresh disasters. But without further ado, this is the Sling of Sing. A Dutchman turned up from Delhi. The American? He flew to Kathmandu. The Korean chap went home. A Danish fellow flew to Kuala Lumpur. A German girl chose train, then chose Bangkok. A trinity of Taiwanese picked Melbourne. An Irishman and his Deutschland girlfriend popped up to Penang. The Englishwoman chose Malacca. An Indian guy stayed and got himself a job. The Canadian chose Borneo. The Swedish fellow took a flight to Denver. An American, he came to study. A pair of English cared for cans, a Norwegian pounced over to Phnom Penh. The Singaporean girl stayed home. A man from Finland fled for Sydney, a Frenchman landed from Chennai. A twain of Danes, they're undecided. A Swedish girl is waiting for a friend. A Polish couple just did Perth, the quartet of Japanese, I couldn't quite comprehend. The English lad, he said he's headed for Hanoi. Singapore is a place that no tourist stops for long. But when you do... You start to see the real Singapore sling, not just the infamous cherry brandy cocktail, 
but the one hurling tourists all over the world. I've been in the same bed, in the same street, in the same city for over two weeks now. Came for rejuvenation, to shed my 10-month chrysalis and sprout new wings. I've shaved with alarming regularity, twice. I've done laundry in a machine, once. And not for the first time I got a cold, and not for the last time I got incredibly drunk. Singapore is a city that inspires me for the very fact that I've seen it all before. In India and China, and also in London and New York. There are things unique to the Lion City of South Asia other than its paradoxical location. It's a city where small children suck from fat straws and gorgeous women glide by branded street cafes. A city where escalators take the strain and doors of the MRT, or the underground, double up as mirrors for the veins of vain. It's far from utopia, but being a successful city and a country all in one, it's a prosperous blueprint. It reeks of prevention rather than cure, and for me... And I suspect the same for many backpackers. It's a gulp of fresh air before submerging back into the other world. It's alter ego. The sweet stench and chaotic calm of less fortunate Asia. I've stacked up on shiny new things, slung out shabby old stuff, and with a bit of luck I've persuaded the nation of incredible islands, Indonesia, to grant me a 60-day visa. What?! Indonesia, that's south. What about Malaysia, Thailand, Vietnam and all that gang, Ant? It's okay, fear not. My decision was partly whim, partly logic. The monsoon, that loathed season of rain, is coming to tip its load on Thailand and this would leave me cornered in the playgrounds of Southeast Asia where my heart would beat from the historical truths of persecuted populations while my head would pound from beer lao and droves of Western tourists. I will clarify, I am Western and I am a tourist, but right now I just prefer the adventure offered by the 17,500 islands, unjustly devoid of tourists due to the misdemeanour of man and Mother Nature, but teeming with orangutans, volcanoes, Komodo dragons, jungle surfing, diving, birds of paradise... Things that go bump in the night and buses that go thump in the day. I do plan on visiting mainland Southeast Asia at some time. And given that I was forced by the no onward flight, no visa rule of Indonesia, I'll be briefly returning to Singapore in July. And then, who knows? Unless, ah, uh, unless I achieve my plan to snare a crewing position aboard a Darwin-destined yacht. On a sombre note, my words are with you, but my thoughts are with the victims suffering now and those who will suffer consequentially in the future of the Burmese cyclone and the Chinese earthquake. I know from conversations with victims of the 2004 tsunami that the Burmese especially will find solace in their deep faith. That even after the aid, domestic or foreign dries up and their neighbour's home is rebuilt, that they will continue to ask questions. The Chinese, with the wily eyes of the world already on them, have another Olympian task ahead. China is a nation scarred by disasters of nature and marred by disasters of mankind. But beneath the rubble there is a torch of light that will prove more powerful than the one just descended from Everest. The torch of mankind. An affection that goes beyond politics and borders and will lead their compatriots to their feet. In contrast, the Burmese led by a stubborn dictatorship, will barely know the eyes of the world are on them. 
The average Burmese boy finds the edge of the world just past the next village. It's a country of cloister choir boys who mostly never dream of faraway cathedrals, even though we hear their stoic song. In both tragedies, beliefs will lead, conspiracies will follow. Some will forgivably never forget, while inherently, some will never remember. So guys, there's the um, poignant end to the Sling of Sing. As I mentioned before at the reading there, there was two massive uh, human disasters going on in May. And as a traveller, you'll find that a lot. You do pass through these places and headlines will stay with you for the rest of your life. I've re recently made a post about that, about the uncanny nature of um, trailing natural disasters that seem to follow me about. But I won't be the only one. It's more of a um, more of an, a light-hearted observation. Talking of observations, this that is exactly what this post was about. It was about me sat in the hostel in Singapore, just noting from conversations with all my hostel mates exactly where everyone's going, where they're from. It's a completely fascinating experience and something you can do in your local city. There's so many different nationalities. I mean, I'm just looking now at the opening paragraph of the Sling of Sing. And it's amazing for me to look back because they, it wasn't fabricated at all, that opening sentence. I knew every single person there. So if we look back now, I'm just going to pick up, like the English woman chose Malacca. It's a good friend, Sarah, now, who's living on the Perintians with a guy that she met after going there from Singapore. An Indian guy stayed and got himself a job. Indeed, he did. He's still there now. He's working for a shipping company in Singapore. An Irishman and his Deutschland girlfriend popped up to Penang. Strange coincidence, they're actually living in Wellington. I got an email oh, maybe two weeks ago now from Dave. They're living not far away from me here in Wellington, so we'll be hooking up ASAP. So the point is, Singapore is one of those like melting pots of international cultures in more way than one it's not just what's embedded in the city it's also what's flirting around the fringes and flying off around the world so if you ever find yourself in singapore do take note of this um phenomenon that's going on over there also worth noting in that was a line that i wrote unless <clears throat> i achieve my plan to snare a crewing position aboard a darwin destined yacht now, this would have floated by you in more ways than one. Many of you won't realise that the original intention of my journey was to circumnavigate the world without flying. Now, I ironically <laughs> broke that from the very start like in some ways, but I did say from Moscow. So I flew from London to Moscow and I was overland all the way through um, China, Nepal, India, had to fly to Sri Lanka, that's where the cookie crumbled. Had to fly there, there's no other way of getting to Sri Lanka, at least as far as I know. And obviously you had to fly back to India, and then from India I had to fly over to Singapore, unless I'd gone overland right the way back up, up and over Nepal or Bangladesh, into China, through Southeast Asia. So, held out for around eight months, 
And then in the space of about two weeks, I took about three flights. Smashed my theory out of the water. But looking at that line there, I achieved my to achieve my plan to snare a crewing position aboard a Darwin destined yacht. That was still a plan back then. That was the whole idea. Even though I do get incredibly seasick, it was one of my traveling dreams to hook up with a yacht, maybe in Bali, uh, that's heading through to Darwin. Not quite sure what happened to that dream, I hasten to add. But it's just interesting looking back. And it's another good reason for people who are thinking about starting blogs. Do it for yourself, um, first and foremost. You gain an audience from that, that's fine. It's brilliant. Same with the absolutely unequivocal, unbeatable pen and paper journal. Now, my girlfriend Reb does that in, in a beautiful fashion, as do quite a few travellers that I've met, spend a lot of time on their travel journals, and I look at them with an eye of envy, because I wish I could do that. But I'm just going to close this up now, guys. The Sling of Sing. I revisited Singapore. You came with me along this Listen Up podcast. If you liked what you heard, please drop me a line at ant at trailevance.com or just drop me a comment in the bottom of the post over at trailevance.com. If you're listening to this for a reader, just take a couple of minutes just to pop over and let us all know what you thought. But until the next time, travel safely wherever you are. I hope you're welcome.